Today on Lockdown Red Wings, what should the Red Wings do with Jake Wallman? Should they extend him? Should they trade him? I asked the people. I got my results. We're going to talk about all the situations ahead. And then also previewing the game against the Montreal Canadiens. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ news radio podcast. Well, Scott is a freelance journalist for the Detroit News, as well as the host of Locked on Tigers. And we've kind of talked on and off about this, Scotty. I think we mentioned it near the end of one of our episodes the other day. And it kind of just, I thought that this would be better served to be its own topic on its own day rather than five minutes spent at the end of the episode. But Jake Wolman has been a hidden gem. The Red Wings have found in him. Uh, Steve Eisman traded for him last year in the Nick Letty deal. And, you know, when I saw the numbers from Jay Fresh's card last season, and Jay Fresh talked about how he could be a guy who's ju- about ready to break out just playing on a team that sheltered his minutes because the defensive core in St. Louis was a little bit deeper <laughs> than ours. I got excited about that, but it didn't show much. Showed flashes for sure, but he never really found the back of the net, got on the point sheet. In the few games he played with the Red Wings last season, fast forward this year, shoulder surgery missed the first 15 games of the season about, because now he's got got about 30 now. He's worked his way up in the lineup, being a consistent defenseman, night in and night out, and then he gets to the top of the lineup and his production in the last 15 games, I know you have the stats up, have just exploded. So the question is, pending UFA Jake Wallman, what do you do with him? Do you sign him or do you dangle him at the trade deadline? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a fascinating conversation. And, and when you look at production, like if you just want to use a, a simple kind of measuring stick like points, it's it's really weird because he has exactly 30 games played, like you said. And in the first 13, he only had one point. And then in the last 17, he has seven points. So like it's it's almost not even fair to just look at eight points in 30 games and be like, Oh, we'll just, you know, like prorate that out. And like, that's what it's going to be because the last, you know, 15, 17 games, like the second half of that 30 game season he's had so far is so different than the first 15 games. Uh, And yeah, I I think that a lot of it has to do with a, I mean, the obvious is going up and, and being, with Moritz Sider at the top top pairing for defensemen. That, that's uh, a huge help for most people, obviously. But um, I, I think it, which, you know, when with that comes more ice time and whatnot, and, and that's all definitely true and helps a lot. But uh, I think that Lalone's, you know, we, we've had so many discussions about uh, Lalone's strategy and, and like coaching style and, uh, and whatnot. And I think that, there are a few players on this team that have greatly benefited from Lalone's scheme. And I think Jake Wallman is, is toward the top of that list of people who have benefited the most. I, I think that he just plays into it really well. And yeah, like you said, you know, in the last 15, 17 games, we've seen a lot of production. And so the, the question is looming like that. That's an obvious, huge question amongst the fan base. You know, I think people probably have their eyes more toward, 
uh, Larkin and Bertuzzi in the in the bigger sports media kind of outlook. But like Wallman's in that conversation too, for sure. And um, you know, I, I like obviously you just have to go where the value goes, and like that's not like a cop out answer. But I, I I think that you you will be pressed to find a team that would like overpay for him. I mean, he's he's going to be twenty seven here in a couple of weeks. Um, and is really kind of breaking out or breaking through. And then we're kind of seeing the flashes of what he can be like just now. Uh, not that, you know, late bloomers are a bad thing. That's great. We'll gladly take it. But I think the value probably makes sense to hold on to him in that case then. Um, and, you know, like expiring deal and all that. Like I, I'm not really sure there's going to be too much value to trade him. So I think the the logical thing, again, if there's an overpay, there's an overpay. But I think you're probably pointing more towards re-signing than anything else. Um, and, and yeah, I, I don't think it'll happen during the season. I think they'll wait until after the season so that they can kind of get a bigger um, sample size as far as his games played and his production. And we're not just looking at 15 games of, of low production, 15 games of high production. We're seeing more of it, uh, you know, like a full season outlook. So I, I expect it after the season. And, and, yeah, if he makes it through the deadline, then he will be brought back. I I tend to agree with almost everything you said. The thing with Jake Wallman, and you kind of talked about it there, is there's the va- question of value. And his last 15 or so games, he's had that explosion of offense, and I completely agree with you in the regards that I think this is where Derek Lalonde's system is shining. I think that he is letting defensemen who want to play a more offensive style have that breathing room he's giving them confidence and courage to do that and take those risks and at times it hurts the team but you know you look at the offensive production boom we've seen out of Philip Kronik who has cooled off recently but earlier in the season we saw that we are seeing it right now with Jake Wallman and Jake Wallman you know he didn't really start climbing up the lineup or he started climbing up the lineup before his production really took off as well and so it's both for him his defense and his offense have been really good and I agree with you where it sounds like kind of a cop-out, but I think you do look to extend him, but you also do dangle him at the trade deadline because this team ultimately is going to be sellers. And if there's a team that's willing to overpay for him, like you said, 100%, just you know, do what you, do what you feel is right. If you can get a first or a second round pick for Jake Wallman, which I don't think is likely, then do it. But also, if he continues to play this well leading up to the trade deadline and scoring this many points leading up to the trade deadline, it does make the question harder because he's only raising his own value, which means you'll have to sign him to a more expensive contract, or you'll means it means that he'll be uh, garnering more on the trade deadline, which is going to make it harder for you to justify keeping him if they offer you too much. I think the pit, the turning point in this conversation, though, is the rebuild's timeline and where we think it's at. And I said this the other day, I think when we were talking about it, Scotty is I think Jake Wallman is a kind of a, a good test to see where Iserman thinks this rebuild is not that Wallman is some keystone piece to this rebuild, but he's 26 turning 27th on February 20th. And if he's real, if he is for real and he feels for real right now, then he could be a huge piece of your defense, especially from the offensive side of things. This team doesn't have a lot of goal-scoring defensemen. You have Philip Peronik, and you have Jake Wallman. Moritz Sider had a lot of production last year. His production has taken a little bit of a hit, but his defensive metrics still look great. Jay Fresh just posted some stats um, today, so make sure you go check that out on Twitter. But Moritz Sider's defensive stats are still good, but you know, outside of outside of 
Philip Ronick, you don't have any goal scoring defensemen. So you need guys like Jake Wallman and him still being as young as he is the same age as Dylan Larkin. Like he fits right in. If you think your timeline is this core right now, like he could be part of the supporting cast of the core. I should say, I won't say the core, so to speak. So, but then the question becomes, you know, what are you looking at contract wise? If you want to keep him? Because I think, I do think Jake Wallman is for real question just becomes how much and how many years. And unlike with Dylan Larkin, there's just so much more, so many more variables that could go into a contract when re-signing Jake Wallman. Yeah. That's where it gets be, tricky. Because, right. Because of value. Like we're not talking about uh, a guy who's going to get like seven, eight, nine million million, obviously. So the, 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 and the lack of track record with him. Yeah, for sure. It, it it makes it makes it very difficult to pinpoint his value for starters, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But it, it also makes the the flexibility of your roster like way different, either with or without him. And um, I, again, like this isn't uh, not that he's like old and like over the hill, like but you know, this isn't a 22, 23 year old like young up and comer that you know if it works out, you're penciling in for the next decade, like. This is somebody, if, if you like them, you bring them back probably on like a two-ish year deal, maybe give or take a year, and and, and you keep riding with them. But uh, it's not necessarily like a, like a long-term, long-term like uh, option back there either. So it, it definitely makes the, 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 the value is, is very, very interesting with Wallman. Agreed. Yeah, and I mean, look at these. Look at his player card, guys. He has been... A, a, a menace um, at even strength this season. His even yeah, strength offense, his expected goals above replacement is even higher than his all, his already impressive production. And the same is said to be for his defense. So that means, guys, that he's playing even better than the results are showing. He should be getting better results than the stats are showing right now, That which means, you, you know, we talk about he and Mortsider as a pair and who helps who. And it's definitely a case of they're both helping each other for sure. Um, but this, when his expected goals above replacement uh, for offense and defense are higher than the actual result, that means that he is actually playing above what his output actually is playing on a top pair, getting top pair minutes with the reigning rookie of the year, Mortsider. Like this is why I think that he may be for real. And yeah, he could be hot right now and it could cool off a little bit, but what he brings to the table is real. The offensive opportunities he creates with his speed and his hands on the offensive and the defensive zone. It's, it's, it's for real. And so when it comes to signing him and what kind of contracts it gets, it gets a little muddy um, because of that. Like you said, Scotty, that lack of track record and comparables, they're all over the place. It's not as easy as it was with Dylan Larkin. Well, where it's like you right, look. comparing what? Are you comparing yeah. his production the last 15 games to like what you're going to give him for the next two years? Yeah. Are you comparing his season? Are you comparing his career? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's because there's so much variance in his production throughout his, his career and throughout this season even, it, it definitely makes it difficult to pinpoint value. Yeah, for sure. Um, So we'll, we'll give some as best we can contract prediction ideas, but again, it's so variable. And then, you know, we'll talk trade deadline. If the Red Wings do opt to trade him, what could they get? 
And then when we come back for segment three, we'll preview the game against the Montreal Canadiens. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they are the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Segment 2 Lockdown Red Wings podcast. I got my notes are all over the place. I got to scribble a bunch of stuff out just so I know where I'm at on here. I, I use the same piece of notepaper for like every episode until it's like just full of ink. And so now I got lost for a second, but I know where I'm at now. We're good. Uh, we're still talking about Jake Wallman, however. And Scotty, I'm going to, I'm going to throw you in the corner first. I, I don't want to be the first one to make a suggestion. That way, if you have a dumb <laughs> suggestion, I can say Scotty's stupid. I don't want it to be the other way around. So when it comes to the contract know. ideas, what would you think that you would think is fair value for Jake Wallman? I'd give him two years and probably a hair over two mil and not feel bad about it. Yeah, I, I like that number two. Um, and the, the problem is, is he's a UFA. If he was an RFA, I'd say easy, done. But the thing is, he could very well say, I'm going to bet on myself. And I think I'm Good worth for you. Yeah, I think I'm that 13-game player, you know, the, the the eight points in 13 games. Well, again, like, we're also talking about this when there is, f- what, 40 almost games left, 30 yeah. game, th- over 30 games left in the season. Like, uh, obviously, if, in the next three months, if he goes back to being, you know, like, scattered, you know, like, one point every – seven eight games then like yeah like obviously then it, it's going to be a much different conversation but um if he maintains it, it's like uh i think it's around 0. 0.4 points a game just over maybe somewhere between like 0. 0.4 and half a point a game player in the last 17 games so like if he maintains that level then yeah i i think you a two-year deal is is i just i love two-year deals they're like my yeah. favorite I I love them in in all sports. They're like my favorite thing because you're giving the player a little bit more security than a one-year deal. You're not, it's not just a flyer. And if you're a team that isn't necessarily guaranteed to be competitive, you can then trade them at the first trade deadline. They're there and you can trade a year and a half of control there rather than half a year. It's much more value for front offices when you're trading them. Uh, And if they work out, then you have them for two years instead of one. Like I, I, I think, Two years are like my my sweet spot, and again, like twenty seven years old. We're not talking about a, a like a young up and coming like prospect either. So uh, I think two years, and if you know, if you want to argue one year more onto that or one year less than that, like a one year deal or a three year deal, like that's within the same realm of conversation as well. But yeah, I, I think I think a, a nice little two year deal and like two one five or something like that is is. Uh, is not bad. So with me, it's, 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 again, it's just so difficult to guess with a guy like this, but 
I don't think there's going to be any NHL team if he decides to bet on himself. If there, I don't think there's any NHL team that's going to offer him long term and decent money with as little track record as he has. I think he's looking down. If I want a longer t- contract with the team, I'm going to be taking less money. But if I want more money, I'm going to be taking a shorter contract. And I, you know, I look at a guy like Philip Peronik who signed his current contract under Steve Eiserman last offseason, and he's making $4.4 million a year. And at the end of that season, or he signed that contract for the start of the 2021-22 season. So you can imagine that between 1920 uh, the 1920-20 and the 2021 season is when he signed that contract, if I'm remembering correctly. You know, he had 31 points in 65 games played and 26 in 56. So about a half point per game player. Jake Wolman in this stretch right now is about that. And again, such an incredibly small sample size. But would Jake Wolman be like, hey, I'm matching the production of a guy you're paying 4.4. I get 4.4. I think that'd be asking for a bit too much with as little track record we have um, on him. Because with Hronik, it was two or three years of track record that we saw with him before he got that paycheck. So I would be like... At a younger age. At a younger age, exactly. Because he's still an RFA. I don't think people realize Philip Hronik's still an RFA when his contract expires. That's insane. Um, But with... Wolman, I'd be comfortable like max three by three. Like if you're really feeling confident, max three by three. But I'm with you where I feel like two by two, two by 2.5, it'd be a comfortable range range because right now he's what, one by one. So he's going to be looking at a raise either way. Yeah, for sure. So that's, Uh, that's yeah, it, it really, this whole conversation really just comes back to what he does in the second half of the season. Like, that this is going to be the the definition of an audition like for him right like whether it's like you said whether it is the bet on myself game and then he goes oh, i want to see what happens if i go to the the open market and and that's you know that's fine like go for it i i would love to see him get paid and uh so it it's definitely going to come down to his decision and the wings front office's decision is all going to come down to what he does in these last you know 35 40 games I asked you, the people, what you guys thought, and 196 people voted, and 93% voted to extend Jake Wolman. Only 7% voted to trade. Yeah, the, you uh, know, again, like the trade Markey? value this year would be, like, I, I agree with that. Like I said earlier, that would be really tough. Like, value-wise, you're talking about uh, a, a expiring deal, so a, a UFA in a couple of months, that on a – like playoff caliber team. Cause like no non playoff team is going to buy an expiring deal or acquire an expiring deal. Um, so you're already limiting your market in that sense. And then you look at where he would play on like a potential playoff, like solidified playoff team. It's, it's not going to be top pairing defensively, you know, at best he'd be a second pairing defenseman on one of those teams at the moment. Um, and yeah, like, like you said, I mean, we're really looking at 17 games of really good production this year, even if it is the current 17 game stretch, I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of, uh, of reasons where if you traded him now, his, his value would, would not garner you too terribly much of a return. And for again, like around two to two and a half mil a year for the next two years, you probably you might as well just keep him at that point. Yep. And then again, if if you're if you're looking down next season and you're like, oh my goodness, we're bad again, which would suck in its own right, and that's a different conversation. 
Um, then at that deadline, you could go, okay, we can trade a year and a half of Wallman. He has another first half of a season that's good production and, you know, last season being this season. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like this is not the, the deadline to trade him if you were going to, even and, if though he is an R, even though he is a UFA. You know, I, I look at a guy like, and I said this the other day too, and, you know, Prashanth, I brought this question up to Prashanth, and he brought up the same guy. I, I bring up guys like Nick Jensen, who the Red Wings had, was having great a great season with the Red Wings. He had 15 points in 60 games, which Jake Wallman's already halfway there in half that time. So that's right around the same wheelhouse when they decided to trade him to the Washington Capitals. And they extended him, and he ended up being a main fixture on that defensive back end, not like a game changer, but a competent, strong defenseman since then. And he won a Stanley Cup in 2018 with them. His current contract with them is four years, two and a half million. And right. their production level as defensemen are very similar. I think Jake Wallman's got a higher offensive upside than Nick Jensen. But I mean, I showed you guys his player card. Jake Wallman is good offensively and defensively this season by a large margin at even strength. So I look at a guy like Nick Jensen, who you traded as your rebuild was beginning at, well, not beginning. That was pretty far along at that point. Um, 2018, 2019 is when you traded him. So that was like your worst season, one of them. So you traded him uh, at 29 years old. Wallman's just a couple. He'll be 27 by the time the deadline gets here. So it's they're very comparable situations. And you didn't really get much out of the Nick Jensen deal. I believe it was Theodore Niederbach and Madison Bowie. Niederbach was, it was a second round pick, which became yeah. Niederbach. So if that's what your comparable is for a potential trade is a replacement level player. And I mean, the draft pick could be whatever, like it could have been Jonathan Bergeron, but it wasn't not that Niederbach's a bad prospect, but he hasn't developed into anything quite yet. I would rather keep Jake Wallman and extend him, especially because of where the team at is at in its rebuild at the moment. Uh, yeah. I, I also don't think you're getting that for Wallman. No. Well, because like again, I, Jensen like had that, track comparing record. Comparing it to that return, I, I don't think you'd get that either. Yeah, Jensen had track record. Je Wallman doesn't really have that track record with any team yet. He's he's played, you know. Let me do that. He's played. This is his fourth NHL season, but he did not play that much with the uh, Blues until last season. He played one game in 1920, 24 games in 2021. And just had two points. And then last season, he it was his first full year at the NHL. So Jensen had that track record, and Woolman doesn't. So I agree that the return would be even lower for a guy I find comparable. Agreed. So extend him. There we go. Problem solved. Extend we Wallman. solved hockey. Uh, when we come back, we'll preview the game against the Montreal Canadiens. And let's hope they win. Let's do it. Let's get two in a row. Stay tuned. Locked on Red Wings. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Let's move on now, Scotty, to that preview of the Montreal Canadiens game. Uh, the Canadiens, seventh in the Atlantic Division. Not dead last. Not dead last, which is surprising. Um, but they're, they're bad. They're Bedard sweepstakes team. Nick Suzuki's good. 38 points in 48 games. Cole, Cole Caulfield. Caulfield. He's hurt though, isn't he? Yeah, but uh, but prior to, I mean, he got hurt, but he already is like, I think he's already a goal away from a thirty goal season. Yeah. So, 
Yet again, this is this is two goals. teams in a row now that are in the Bedard sweepstakes for being bad and have a their leading goal scorer is like double digit goals ahead of you. Pause. They are last in the Atlantic Division. ESPN has them listed as seventh, but I was like, that doesn't sound right. The NHL app has them. Oh, you know what it is? They're tied for seventh with the Senators in points. Wow. So ESPN probably doesn't distinguish the tiebreaker because probably. it's ESPN. So Montreal is <laughs> in last. So they are in last in the division. But anyways, sorry, that was a tangent. I just wanted, I'm like, that doesn't sound right. I got to correct it. But again, Montreal Canadiens bad. Red Wings a bit better. Should win. Should win. Should. Should. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Should. Yeah, Cole Caulfield's legit, but he's hurt, so he's not there. Nick Suzuki is – he's legit, too. I love Suzuki. Man. Yeah, 38 points in 48 games. He's performing pretty well. But, I mean, they are a shallow team. They don't have a lot in the way of offense or defense. Their goaltending is suboptimal, although Sam Montebu has a 9-10 save percentage. So he's pretty good, but if they go with Jake Allen, he's got an 892 save percentage this season. So it, it comes down to what goalie you're seeing. If you're seeing Jake Allen, that's a game you absolutely should win, without a yeah. doubt. I mean, bottom 10 in the league in expected goals, 4% at even strength. Same with Corsi, 4%. Granted, so are the Wings. This is a team that on paper is very beatable. But then we we go back to the same thing we talk about all the time, Scotty, which is... Yeah, who knows? The So the biggest <laughs> thing, the biggest thing that I think to point out with this team is um, the Canadians actually lead the entire NHL in PIMS a game. They are the most penalized team on a game-to-game -game basis in the <laughs> I, entire league. I have a feeling I know why that is. Right. And his so, name begins with an X. <laughs> correct. <laughs> the dog, though. Um, love him. Yeah, love him. But, yes, so the uh, they, they are the most penalized team in the entire NHL, and the Red Wings – are the third least penalized team in the entire NHL. So if there's ever, you know, even if the the five on five play doesn't go your way, even if you're not scoring goals, even if you're you're not taking advantage in the faceoff circle, even if your defense continues to be your defense, all the stuff we complain about on a daily basis, even if that all remains, you should still have an advantage uh, in in pims. You should still have an advantage on the the special teams as well the the canadians also they're the most penalized team and are also i believe 32nd in the league in power play so you have the clear advantage on special teams so like like i said even if everything else that that we've been complaining about stays true and they get outplayed in some other areas you have a clear advantage uh, on the penalty kill and on the power play like like blatant, like not even close. And, and you're not even like that great, but you're at least bottom end of middle of the pack, and they are straight up last in the league and, and some special teams categories. So that's an area you can take advantage in. And they should take advantage in it. And it's just, you know, we do these previews, and they're starting to all kind of sound the same where, okay, you're playing a team. This is a bad team. Beat them. But you just like in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, please just show up to play. Just show up to play, please. Uh, and man, we've been so dour on the team lately, but they, they're just, they've been so crazily inconsistent in certain, in crazy ways. I mean, I know at the game after Philly, we were talking about how the advanced metrics look good, but at some point, 
you know, they don't, that doesn't matter. At some point, you just got to put pucks in the back of the net and win. And then, of course, against the San Jose Sharks, they put back pucks in the back of the net to win, but their advanced metrics didn't look good. So then we were like, can we just have it both ways? So I, I know sometimes we can even contradict ourselves, but that's just how crazily inconsistent the team is. It's like, they, we, we've talked about this, but it never all comes together. And the Montreal Canadiens, a team that is intentionally tanking, despite what the commissioner, Gary Bettman, says, the Canadians are intentionally tanking to try and get Connor Bedard. So they are bad in every facet. This is a team you got to take advantage of as a team trying to be the worst in the league and just kind of put, come on, let's put a whoop ass on them. Red Wings go out there and throttle them, you know, at the Bell Center. Let's just, let's just beat up on the Canadians. Please, for the love of God, I need this. When was the last time the Red Wings had a dominating win? Like in every, like on the score sheet and in the metrics, just both. I want to say it was the Ducks game from a while ago, but there was definitely another one way more recently that I remember coming on here in the last like month and saying like, wow, that was. Toronto? The win against Toronto? Yeah. They, they had a f- good first two periods and then they won four to one. So. Yeah, that, it might have been. Close enough. Been Toronto. <laughs> so it's hard to remember. They all blend together in your head after a while. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine doing 162 of those. Um, Scotty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. Although I can't wait. I truly can't wait. I'm excited too. And oh, then I, for about a month in, I'll be not excited anymore. So. Yeah. Honestly, you should look at the, I tweeted it out today, this um, Tiger's schedule. It's a the first month and a half. The first like 40 games are brutal yeah i saw houston on there we already always suck in april in the beginning of may and now we have like an insanely hard schedule to go along with it it's gonna be a lot of fun can't let's wait. let's look at the odds for tomorrow's game as we're recording this at 4 14 on wednesday so the odds could change but as we're looking at it on FanDuel, the detroit red wings are the underdog in regards to the puck line the montreal canadians are I'm sorry, the Red Wings are the favorite in terms of... The Red Wings are the favorite on the road, which is great to see, even though, again, it's the Canadians. I was reading it wrong at first. Um, On the money line, they're the favorite? On the money line, they're the favorite. Minus 160 odds on the money line. That's Good for the Wings, man. They're um, look at this. We're celebrating be, being favorites over the Montreal Canadiens <laughs> in year of our Lord 2023. The Montreal Canadiens are at minus 194 odds to keep it within a goal and a half, while the Red Wings are at plus 156 to win it by more than a goal and a half. So two goals essentially. Yeah. Uh, what are you taking in that regard? Do you think the Red Wings? You taking the underdog, the plus 156 for the minus one and a half goals, or um. Yeah, I don't know if I'd touch the 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 puck line there. I'd probably just take the wings outright. Well, I'm gonna make you take one of each of these. Okay, then I'll take the wings. I'll take the wings minus one and a half. I think I'd also take the wings minus one and a half, and I would also take obviously then the wings outright. Um, Is it six and a half the over under? Six, right on the dot. Which again, I mean, I guess you could just bust if it if it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take uh, – man, I'll still take the under. Well, because if I take the under, then I'm basically assuming the Red Wings either shut them out 2 to nothing, beat them 3-1. to one. I feel like it's better, safer for me to take the over at 6. It's By the way, they're both minus odds. They, they don't know. They don't know. Uh, 
at six. So I think I'm going to take the over just to give myself extra padding. That way, if I win all three of those, I win them all big time. So, wow. Obviously, if we, we wouldn't be able to bet on all three of those at the same time if we were actually putting money down on this, but just for our our little fun. Well. So, all right. <laughs> Good all episode, right. Scotty. Thanks, man. I think so, too. Tomorrow we'll do a uh, recap and then a preview because we play again on Friday, right? Back-to-back. Back, that's something, I mean, who's so... Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about that. <laughs> I mean, he's going to get... He's going to get Montreal, right? Oh, Bert. Somebody said, um, uh, someone important said Bert probably in one of the two games at least. Yeah, he was day-to-day with a, what was a groin injury, a groin pole. So he'll be back shortly. Um, I didn't see that though. So this is news to me, but I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I I mean, I can find, if you want to have the the Huso conversation, I can find the tweet really quick. Um, it's no, I mean, it's no big deal. I'm sure you're right, and I'm sure Huso well, will. I'm never sure I'm right. So. Huso is for sure getting one of the two starts, and Alone said if he actually, I think there he's going to go. start Daniela the first Bruce, game. Happy belated birthday, by the way. He says Derek Lalone said, "quote He would be surprised if Tyler Bertuzzi was unavailable tomorrow." So sounds like the plan is Bert for both games, which is good. Cool. There you go. Bert's going to be back in the lineup probably. Uh, I, I think Huso's going to get the start because I think Lalone said that if Huso faces a low number of shots in the first game that he could play the second game too. So you'll probably, I imagine you'll probably will see Magnus in the second game, but I think it's going to be Huso tomorrow or today by the time people are listening to this. Yeah, I think Huso will get Montreal and then run and it then, back. Yeah, they'll determine Friday's game based on that. Yeah. Cool. Well, that does it. We'll be back with a recap tomorrow. Scotty, got any final thoughts? We ball, baby. Awesome. Sounds good. Um, Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day.